Hey, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming and also presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. Michael McQuaid here, joined by Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Mark Cockerell. Welcome in, gentlemen. We get this order correct. Yeah, I think it's okay. No garden sprinklers this evening, so I should be should be a welcome, welcome home, Michael. Yeah, thanks a million. I feel so happy to be home. Let's bring our first guest in, lads, and we'll chat about this game. Seven and no Cardinals. Six and one Green Bay Packers. Uh, Josh Weinfuss from ESPN. Delighted to welcome him in again. Josh, we had you on, I think, just after JJ Watt. And uh, I think you've got a visitor as well. We do have a visitor. And I'm happy visitor, bro. We're trying to calm him down. Right, I'm here, Josh. Josh, we've all been there. We've all been there, man. We know. We know. Hold on. Well, we might as well say hello to everybody since they can hear you. So this is Jordan. Hey, bud. Say hi. He's hey, Jordan. Right now. So, hi. Hey, buddy. So it's the air to... of the game. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, what were you saying? All right, let's go back one more. I know Josh. So last time I was on was before JJ Watt, right? Yeah, it was, it was before JJ, but I was going to say, obviously, you've, you've had a very important game in your own personal life, but also a few months where the Cardinals are, are 7 and 0. And by the way, if you have to drop off, don't worry. No, no, we're good. We're good. All right, what do you got? So Cardinal seven and oh Josh, obviously uh, a fantastic start to the season, yeah. It's been unbelievable. You know, I think everyone expected this team to be this good at some point, but I don't think anyone expected them this to happen at this point, right? I, 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 nobody that I talked to expected them to start seven and zero, be the best team in football. We all knew it was there. We saw the offseason acquisitions, we saw the pieces, and you know, so we knew that, that this team could be this good, but I don't think anyone saw it happening this fast. Now, Josh, I'll, I'll put my hands up to, to something in terms of Vance Joseph. Uh, as a Broncos fan, uh, I was unimpressed with his stint as HC, and I wondered, um, you know, how he, how he would do. And uh, you drafted Isaiah Simmons, and I wondered, I really liked Isaiah Simmons. I wondered, could Vance get the best out of him? He's been brilliant, in fairness to him, for this uh, Cardinals um, defense. And name, obviously, cropping up now as the head coach. Yeah, talk all begins. How impressed have people in Arizona been with Vance Joseph? On a scale of like a twenty-five, right? I mean, like, like what they're doing right now defensively is almost—I think maybe even more impressive than what they're doing offensively. You know, he's—he has finally he has the pieces. I think it, that's what NFL defenses are all about, right? Getting the right personnel to run your scheme. And he knew. He said that he said something very interesting this week. He said that. He knew it would take two to three years to get to this point. He said if it took any longer than that, I knew he wouldn't have an opportunity because they'd move on, just the way the NFL is these days. So he, you know, he, they're right on track for what he wants. He understands that he has, that this was his window, and he's obviously taking advantage of it. They have a great defensive front. You know, I think getting J.J. Watt, and now losing him, obviously, which we can talk about, you know, getting him was, was massive because it, it made the defense or offensive lines kind of have to figure out who you're going to block. And especially with the emergence of Marcus Golden this year, um, we've always known he's been good, but I think he did, kind of took another step in his progression as a player. You know, as Vance pointed out this week, it's really hard to defend three guys. So you had J.J. Watt, you had Vance, or you had not Vance, you had Marcus Golden, and then you had Chandler Jones. Um, but I think what they're doing, obviously, you know, drafting Zayvon Collins, a lot of people scratch their head because you already had Isaiah Simmons, you already had Jordan Hicks, but that three-headed inside linebacker tandem's working out. Um, but like you pointed out, I think this is going to get him 
a head coaching job simply because of how you know how dominant they've been. They're great. They lead the league, you know, on third down and fourth down percentage. They lead the league in points allowed per game. So this defense is doing as much for a seven and zero start as the offense is. Josh, when you when you were on the last time, you suggested that the team was ready to make the the next step up, and it just needed some experienced players. One player who's come in, and I wouldn't say he was the forgotten man towards his time at the end at the end with the Bengals, but AJ Green has had a really good start. And Peter really good. Fitzgerald having retired, you know, he's kind of stepped in and he's the experienced player that they needed on offense, in particular in the wide receiver spot. He, um, you know, I said it before the season started. I thought AJ Green was going to have a thousand yards, and he's on pace for I think either just below or just above a thousand. What he's doing now is he's, you know. He's never been a number two receiver in his career. So that alone has kind of opened things up for him before. It's taken less stress off of him. It's taken less pressure off of him. He doesn't have to be the guy every single game. That's left to DeAndre Hopkins. So being able to, to have that freedom and let him kind of do his thing, he's, he's being exactly how he wants to be. Um, and he's giving Kyler Murray a great, you know, number two option. You know, he's... And, 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 you know, people say he's old, he's 33, he's washed up, all these things. He's not. I mean, I watch, him, I watch him every day during training camp. He still had all the speed, all the quickness. And then the most important thing is he, has, he had the hands, right? I mean, he's making catches now that he's been making, you know, his whole career. So I don't think he's lost a step. I think he's given this team an incredible dynamic because you put him on one side, put DeAndre Hopkins on the other. What are you going to do as a defense? I mean, if you're going to roll coverage to DeAndre, you're one-on-one with A.J. Green. He's 6'4" throw it up he's going to catch it you roll coverage to Deion or to AJ Green you're leaving DeAndre Hopkins one-on-one I mean like like who does that so there's this you know he, he he adds so much to this offense and then obviously it kind of trickles down from there but he's been a major addition um definitely not washed up definitely not old I mean he's he's playing great football right now and and as you say Josh the trickle down effect when you're AJ Green and DeAndre Hopkins Christian Kirk suddenly yep. you know, gets more you know opportunity Zach Ertz you just brought in obviously could be a big addition I mean, Josh, for, for the people that have kind of been aware of the cards being, okay, they're still winning and they're they're now 7-0 and they're, they're still rolling, there's a number of great kind of a little bit under-the-radar storylines in terms yep. of how things have gelled. Like, I'm thinking of Byron Murphy evolving really yep. into a true CB1, but also even Jordan Hicks, who you mentioned, like, mm-hmm. he's told, hey, you're not going to be a Mike inside linebacker, and all of a sudden he returns by having an amazing season and almost proving it on the field. I mean... Thinking of those two and any others you want to throw into the mix, I mean, what are the storylines that people maybe haven't been as aware of outside the big superstars? In the Man, can we talk about this Jordan Hicks storyline for a second? He had no desire to be in Arizona after they drafted David Collins. And you know what? I don't blame him. Back-to-back years, they drafted your replacement. So all he said was basically, you know, go take a hike. You know, I'm going to do what I do. And he's just totally impressed. I mean, he's been... He's been the key to this. I mean, I don't think Zayvon Collins, and I made this point many times during training camp in the offseason, I didn't think he was going to be able to handle everything as a rookie. And that's not a knock on him. That's just – the NFL game is a complex game, right? It's a, it's a, there's a lot to handle into a, a anoint a, a rookie as your starting line, inside linebacker right away and give him that green dot. That's a lot for a guy to do. And Jordan Hicks is, is – he's a veteran. He's been there before. He had um, – D'Amico Ryans, who's a 49ers defensive coordinator, kind of be his mentor as a rookie when he was with the Eagles. So he understands that role. And he's been doing it, but he's also been playing fantastic. I think another under-the-radar storyline is um, Chase Edmonds, right? He comes in. Well, there's two in the backfield. I think both him and James Conner. I think, you know, Chase Edmonds, he's just been 
he really worked very hard this offseason on his route running and his catching and you know, his receiving abilities, and it's really, really um, stood out. And then obviously James Conner comes in, and just I don't think anyone really expected him to be this kind of to have this kind of impact. But with with Chase Edmonds beat up a little bit, we're starting to see it. Um, you know, the one guy you pointed out, and I don't think a lot of people understand kind of how, how how great he's been playing is Byron Murphy. And one thing Cliff Kingsbury kind of passing a few weeks ago was that Murphy really kind of took a lot. Of him. He became the guy who you know really committed himself to. To, to film, to training, and they didn't see that out of him early on. There are actually some question marks over whether how you know how dedicated he was during those first first year, year and a half. Well, obviously that's been all those questions have been answered, and he's playing great football. So there's a lot of small storylines. Obviously, this team's loaded with big, big, <laughs> big names, big talent. But you know, there's a lot of little guys that you know if they go to the Super Bowl, there's going to be a lot to write about. Yeah. And but just one quick follow up on that, Josh. You mentioned about Jordan Hicks and the kind of the intrigue during the uh, off season, but there was also Chandler Jones as well. He submitted a trade request during the off season. Yep. So we talked about this in our in our preseason big previews. Like, how is that all going to gel? And what has been the difference in the cards? Is it Vance Joseph? Is it the team dynamic under Kingsbury? Like, why has that not been an issue so far? I think it's 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 probably a little bit of both of those, right? I mean, Vance Joseph and Chandler Jones are neighbors, so who knows how many conversations they had in the front yard while they're, you know, watering the rocks because we don't have grass here in Arizona. Um, you know, I also think it's it's you know this team saw just how good they could be, and you get a guy like JJ Watt. He's kind of that glue that kind of kept everything together. That kind of really make this makes this defense tick. So you know, Chandler Jones knew, hey, I have a chance to go out and win another Super Bowl right now and then we'll, we'll deal with everything after the fact and one thing he's always told me because his contract has come up in the last few years just r- randomly i guess and just just kind of not, not nothing, nothing like this he, you know he hadn't asked for a trade request but there's stuff that's come up and i've asked him about it and he's always said josh i let my agent handle that he comes to me with everything and then you know I, I i don't get involved and that's really kind of the approach he's taken um he definitely you know i think he still wants to be traded um, uh, maybe he doesn't want, maybe not necessarily at this point, but he doesn't want to be on this team, I think, beyond if they're not going to pay him. And I don't blame him, right? So um, I think that they just all bought in. It sounds so cliche. It's all coach speak, but I think they, they truly did see kind of what was that, what, what were the possibilities, and they kind of went with it. And obviously it's kind of playing out in real time right now and kind of everything's going better than I think they expected. <laughs> I have to say, Josh, you're holding a newborn baby in your arm while Mark has dropped out of the stream seven times, so you're doing a better job than Mark. Uh, <laughs> had to put it in. Here, uh, we, we have, we've we've went 10, 12 minutes. We haven't talked about JJ Watt undergoing potentially season-ending shoulder surgery. It's As an NFL fan, I'm disappointed for him because I know he's had a rough few years, and this was a fresh start. You know, it? Yeah, it's tough. You know, you, you feel bad for the human side of things, right? I mean, obviously, he's dealt with injuries. I think this is his fourth season having a major injury since 2016, something like that. Um, but you look at, obviously, his impact on the, on, on the defense, it Just not even just the football-wise, like off the field, in the locker room, in the weight room. He was really one of these guys that led by example. Guys love watching him work out because he's an absolute monster in the weight room, an absolute beast. And guys just, like, and, like pump these guys up, and then they go out and, you know, throw, throw up all sorts of, weight that we could never imagine throwing up in our lives. Um, so he kind of had that trickle-down effect, right? He, he really was a leader by example, but then he would pull guys aside and get to know them and tr- really was kind of, like I said earlier, he's really the glue to this, this defense, maybe even the entire locker room. So to see him go from that standpoint, I think was, was a blow to this team. I think that he's going to be around. He's just that type of guy. But at the same time, this 
Cardinals defense, I think, is built to survive an injury like this more so than they've ever been built before. So, you know, you have Jordan Phillips, who's pretty good. Uh, you know, he's been playing pretty good. He's been injured, just came back recently. You have, you know, but then you have, you know, Corey Peters is out with COVID. So once he gets back, he'll be, uh, you know, part of the rotation. Uh, Zach, um, uh, oh my God, I just had just had an absolute blank. Um, I'll come back to him. I can picture him right now. Um there's another, you know, there's a couple other guys in the defensive line rotation that once everyone's back and healthy, this is going to be a very deep uh, unit. And I think that what they can kind of do is kind of what we see, you know, in ice hockey, just kind of throwing in lines. Right? Guys just keep rotating in, keeping guys fresh. Richard Lawrence is another guy. He's out with injury. You bring him back in. And I think that we're going to see, um, we're going to see this team. I don't think we're going to see the team miss too much of a beat without J.J. Watt. And I know that's crazy to say because he's been playing great. You know, he doesn't have the jaw-dropping stats. One sack, I think 10 tackles, but just you know, his disruptiveness. And I don't know if that's a word, but we're making it a word today. You know, his ability to get behind, um, get through the line, get off of blocks, you know, just create havoc and get these quarterbacks off their off their mark and make them, you know, either throw quickly or move. That stuff you really, you can't, I mean, we can measure because of all the analytics, but like it doesn't show up in your traditional stat sheet. And that's been a huge impact for this defense. So I think all those guys combined are going to be able to help that. But obviously you don't want four guys replacing one. But sometimes it just has to happen that way. Josh, it's funny, I suppose you're talking about a kind of a legendary figure and the cards being able to, you know, just progress w without him. That's obviously the same with Larry Fitz, who uh, still is, is yet to say what, what he's going to do. But in his new career as podcaster has been very complimentary about the cards. Um, I suppose two two part question. One, will Larry ever say what he's going to do, or does he just go off into the sunset without ever announcing it? And two, he said a few weeks ago he saw Kyler Murray as the front runner in the MVP race. Is that something you'd agree with? I'll answer your second part first. Yes, yes. I think I think he is your front runner. I think as long as this team is good. If not great, I think that he's and he still plays at that level. You know, I, I do think he is your favorite to win the MVP. Las Vegas has him as a favorite, but just what he does, I mean, he has complete control of this offense, right? I mean, he just has an incredible command, right? Yeah, um, you know, just great command of this offense. He's checking in and out of things. He's just playing very, very good football right now, and I think that's going to you know lead him to the MVP as long as you know. See, I mean, the problem is that I think the national media doesn't really pay attention to this team. So Matthew Stafford goes off and has a great rest of the season or Zach Allen and they go, you know, they have great finishes. I think that there is a chance that you could see it stolen simply because people aren't paying attention to what Kyler's doing on a national level here, here in the States. But um, the other part was Larry Fitz, right? And do I think he'll ever announce? I don't know. I mean, I've known the guy for about a, a decade. He loves this attention. He loves his name kind of keep being brought back and back and back. I and mean, we have reporters here who literally ask about him, if not every week, every other week. And it's kind of like, you know, he's not coming back at this point, right? He's playing a ton of golf. He's big into real estate. So he's doing all of that. He's making all sorts of money. He co-owns the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. So he's kind of, you know, he's living that life. Um, I think another part, and I wrote about this in week one, is that, you know, his Hall of Fame clock already started. So it's now seven weeks in, seven games in. So if he comes back at any point, you already, I mean, he's not coming back now. I think if he's out the whole season, he's just, he's not coming back. That's my opinion. But if he comes back at any point this season, he has to restart that five-year clock. And that man, he wants to be a Hall of Famer. He wants to, you know, wants to be a Hall of Famer. So this season, you have four more years. I mean, it's really, I don't see the point of that. And this team doesn't really need him at this point. You know, I think someone, one of my friends sent me a text message the other day, and they're like, is there 
and they could be Larry Fitzgerald. And I was like, you know, a lot of fans here don't want to face that reality. But it's true. I think that not having him around is allowing guys to kind of have more um, more freedom to do their thing. I think Christian Kirk, like you pointed out, he's he's one of them. He's now in the slot. And he didn't really play a lot of slot with Larry Fitz and, and when, 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 when Larry Fitz is here. And Christian Kirk played the slot in college, and now since they moved him back, he's flourished. So maybe we are looking at a situation where, you know, not having the, the legendary star around kind of helps out everybody. Josh, just looking ahead to this game to see and um, the importance of it. I know it looks like the Packers are going to be missing quite a few players on offense, but for the, from the Cards' point of view, to win this game and maintain, I suppose, being unbeaten and potentially getting that number one seed in the long run in a division where the Rams are, you know, I know once they've beaten them, they still got to play them again. So the importance of moving forward another win. Uh, you just named it. I mean, getting that number one seed, holding on, holding on to that that tiebreaker. I mean, this could be a you know situation where we could. I mean, depending on how the, the, the Bucks do, but we can see, you know, Cardinals, Green Bay, Tampa, all in that fighting for those top two seeds in a win today could go a long way in giving the Cardinals a leg up and obviously, you know, hosting these home games and then going to L.A. It could do, you really couldn't ask for a better situation for a team besides hosting it in your home stadium with having home field advantage. You know, I mean, it's a quick hour flight to L.A. from Arizona. Um, so this game is very important from that standpoint. It's also important from my perspective and is, you know, a perception. It's a major perception game for this team because they, if they win, if they just win flat out, you go to eight and no best record, best record start in franchise history. I think that team people are going to start to pay attention. It's on national TV, only game on tonight. Everyone's going to be watching, but if you go out and you win big, I think people are going to start, they're going to have to say, okay, this, this team's for real, which has not happened yet. So, um, I think there's a lot at stake. I think that they understand that, but you know they have this mentality and they've somehow been able to adhere to it. It's a go one and zero each week. That's what they keep telling us. That's kind of the message out of the locker room. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. I think that 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 both sides know what's at stake. I think if anybody is besides Tom Brady understands what this game is about, it's Aaron Rodgers. So and I, you know he's not going to lay down. He's not going to roll over. He's going to want to win this game just as much as anybody. So I think that they both understand. You know what this could. A game like this in late October could have a lot of implications in early January. Uh, Josh, I think I want to call out Owen's comment at the bottom that you're really good at multitasking and certainly uh, a credit <laughs> to you there in terms of being able to juggle everything going on. Look, we could honestly talk to you all night in preparation this game, could get onto the offensive line and what Sean Kugel has done there as a coach with all the injuries they've had. Uh, we could talk so much more about Kyler, about the offense, about how the defense performed. But look, the cards, they've already taken down the Rams, they've already taken down the Titans, they've already taken down the Browns, yep. and that big game is in front of us tonight with the Packers. Josh, I want to thank you for your time and joining us tonight, just to build up in relation to the game, and we'll leave you to, to deal with burping in the next phases of sleep, hopefully, that is soon right. to follow uh, before the game kicks off tonight. So thanks for joining us. Before you go, one last thing, give us a quick prediction, just who's going to win and why. Yeah, I think, I think the Cardinals are going to win. Um, I think it's going to come down to health. I think the Packers are missing too many key players. And I think Arizona's, I think that this passing game is really going to continue to find its rhythm this week. And I think they understand kind of what, what JJ's injury, what kind of emotional effect it's having, it's going to have on the defense. Um, I think that they're going to try to pick up that slack and put up, you know, 35 points a game or 35 points again. Josh, thanks so much. We'll tag you on uh, Twitter for people to follow along with your ESPN account. And we'll see you in LA in February, Josh. Thanks so Sounds much. good, you guys. Are you guys going to be there? Uh, that's, if, that's if, the if you're the there, we, we'll be there.
<laughs> hey, if, you, if you're there, we're going to have to do this live, guys. It'll be fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Josh, so thanks, thanks guys. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate thanks, it. Josh. Thank you. Uh, what a man. I mean, fair, like, uh, as, uh, as we say in Ireland, boys, fair, fair play to him. And, Mark, I was only joking about your Wi-Fi. It's grand. Like, just go on your No, no, Michael, the, the thing is, when the children get older than that, that's when they're playing around on your broadband at the same time and end up messing up your, your connection a few times. Like, hey, it's, it's my bad. Just confiscate your son or daughter's PlayStation and stuff, and then sure. Bring, brings it all back, Mark, yeah? <laughs> the terror. The terror. It brings it back, Ryan, yeah. Um, hi to Fred as well as watching. There's a load of ones watching on YouTube. Welcome in, lads, and Owen as well. Thank you for that fantastic comment. Uh, we're going to talk Packers in a few minutes. Uh, boys, is there anything that we want to talk about beforehand, Colm? If you have anything that's, you know, maybe put your eyelids up in the league this week? Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the disrespect shown to Mike Tomlin, um, which was disgraceful, like ridiculous. My, like, Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. 14 years as Steelers head coach, never had a losing season. And then he gets linked with the USC job. Like, talk about wishful thinking on Carson Palmer's part in terms of, and, and then blurting it out on the Dan Patrick show. Now, kudos to Dan Patrick. What an interviewer, and he manages to get stuff out of people. But in like just ridiculous to link Mike Tomlin to that job. And he rightly put the uh, reports in their place when he asked, was Sean Payton getting asked about that? Sean Payton has had three, you know, three back-to-back losing seasons. And was Andy Reid getting asked about that? Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal coach doing a great doing a great job there and in really difficult circumstances i it's it's really disappointing it points to all the issues that the league still has the fact that there are three black head coaches in the league the fact that we need to see more diversity we need um and and that you're you're talking about one of the top coaches um who's won a super bowl going back to coaching college like Urban Meyer going back to coaching college, absolutely. Mike Tomlin, don't be ridiculous. It's been suggested today that Urban Meyer will be going to LSU uh, next season um, as the next head coach there. He'd run a mile to get that job and get out of Jacksonville. For me, it's uh, and it's, it's eight o'clock air time, which is the deadline for the uh, the trade deadline. I assume we're doing a live show on, on Tuesday night, and Jim White is going to be coming on or something along those lines. Yellow tie. For deadline day but uh, it was interesting because uh, now there's a lot of speculation coming out that and um, column i had to contact column immediately as soon as i saw that alan robinson potentially could be getting traded on tuesday and it's, look it's only speculation but maybe the bears are going to finally move him give him his wish and move him on and as column said hopefully he'll find a team with a good quarterback but i think that's one of a few interesting storylines out there and potentially we might see some bigger trades going ahead before tuesday that we haven't seen over the past few years yeah, I mean, look at the Texans, Brandon Cooks, really affordable contract. I mean, if the Texans, everyone's for sale, right? Like, everyone's for sale. There is the big obvious kahuna, which depends on a lot of other legal ramifications, which everyone keeps talking about. But anybody that wants to trade for anyone half decent, I think the Texans are a selling team. You know, uh, we're looking for a new James Bond. And I actually thought this week Mike Tomlin was just giving away the name of the, the new Bond movie to me next because he said, never say never, but never. You know, it's kind of like never say never again. It was just a brilliant line. It was, So that was brilliant. But the other story, Michael, and we have to touch on it, the Washington report. Oh, sorry, that's right. The Washington whitewash, where we have a big investigation, but then we never actually commit anything to writing. 
And fair play to Mark Davis, who kind of feels like the Raiders have been done bad by all this. I'm just going, where's the report, guys? I want to see the report. You've got Stan Kroenke now apparently to weasel out or back out of indemnification agreements about litigation related to St. Louis Rams. So that owner's meeting not only is leakier than a colander having been shot with a shotgun, but it's also stimulating some really fascinating storylines that will run and run and run. Obviously, the league hopes, I don't know, that some major player gets an injury or Urban Meyer does something stupid or someone somewhere takes the heat off the Washington story. But at the moment, it is still in the fire, it's still in the focus, and rightfully so. Let's uh, let's take the heat off all of that for a minute and get back to tonight's game. Seven and the Cardinals against the six and one Packers. Uh, we've delighted to have a Green Bay Packers beat writer for the Athletic on. Uh, Matt Schneidman, Matt, now Matt, for a start, I hope I've got your surname correct, yeah? Because it's our... Yes, you did. Thank God. Okay, well, first off, welcome into the show, Matt. Uh, a very warm welcome and really appreciate you coming on ahead of, obviously, the game in a few hours' time. We ask every guest this, uh, have you any Irish heritage? Have, have you ever been to Ireland before? I've never been to Ireland. I think my mother is 25% Irish. Um, my mom's side of the family definitely is. I'm friends with the starting goalkeeper for the Irish women's national soccer team since I went to college with her, but that's about that's a that's a pretty solid uh, connection. And uh, another a man with we imagine a connection to Ireland is uh, the Packers defensive coordinator uh, Joe Barry. Uh, who, uh, all, always welcome on the show, Joe. Anytime you want to, obviously won't be on the the sidelines uh, this evening. Just wondering about um, his impact because obviously after week one and what went on there was an awful lot of talk about Joe Barry and his record and it hadn't been particularly good but over the the past kind of six weeks um the Packers have been very impressive on defense so wondering about the perceptions of uh Joe Barry uh in Green Bay better than after week one I mean they haven't played the best offenses aside from the Cincinnati Bengals who they held to 22 points you know, the big talking point through the first six weeks of the season was their red zone defense and how opponents had gone to the red zone 15 times and scored touchdowns all 15 times until last week against Washington when they held Washington to three points on four red zone trips. So they're taking a step in the right direction. How tonight's game will be different with, with defensive backs coach Jerry Gray calling the plays, we'll see. You know, Joe Barry was still able to be a part of meetings throughout this week. So I don't assume there will be anything too different. You know, it's just a different person calling the plays. They've worked together all season. Um, players really respect Jerry Gray. He's been a defensive coordinator twice before in the league with the Bills and the Titans um, for six years before he came to Green Bay. Last year, he was the DBs coach in Minnesota. Now he's in his second season coaching the DBs uh, in Green Bay. This is the best offense they've faced all season by far. You know, they've faced... Jameis Winston, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Taylor Heineke, Joe Burrow's the best quarterback they've faced, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, but now they're facing an offense with Kyler Murray and four really good wide receivers and a good tight end. So now we're going to see what the Packers' defense is actually made of tonight. Matt, obviously it's been a difficult week with the players ruled out on the offense because of the COVID situation. Are we going to see a run-heavy kind of offense this evening with A.J. Dillon and and Jones leading the way more so than uh, Aaron Rodgers airing it out because of the, I suppose, the number of players out, out of the team? Yeah, I would assume so. You know, they didn't really get much of a, 
a running game going last week. I could see them doing that this week, but I could also see them throwing the ball since the Cardinals probably expect the Packers to run the ball with no Devontae Adams, no Alan Lazard, no Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But the Packers still have guys who can catch. Randall Cobb's a trusted target of Aaron Rodgers, probably his best friend in the NFL. Um, Robert Tunyon, who hasn't had much production in terms of catching passes this year, but tied Travis Kelsey for most touchdowns caught among tight ends last season. And then Aaron Jones, who's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. So I wonder if they'll use Jones a lot more in passing situations, line him up as a receiver or in the slot, and, and just use A.J. Dillon primarily for for running situations but yeah I think you know compared to last week they'll definitely run the ball more but that's a really good Cardinals defensive line and and you don't just want to be too predictable so I could see a, a steady dose of both tonight yeah Equiminius and Brown obviously wants to re-earn some trust with Aaron Rodgers there <laughs> as well but uh I like what you're saying I think Aaron squared uh Rodgers to Jones might might be a way forward I'm looping back to the defense, actually, and I feel like on this show we should almost have now permanent feature of a reunion klaxon. You remember from last week, guys, when we were talking about Goff and Darnold, we are talking about Forrest Buckner. There's a bit of a smaller reunion tonight. Uh, Devondre Campbell, who last season, third on the cards in tackles, 96 tackles, came to Green Bay after the Christian Kirksey kind of experiment didn't really work as planned, and he's not just filled a gap on the Green Bay Packers, he's been a pretty much a standout. I mean, you're talking about the defense, the run defense, he's definitely played a major part on. And no one would have expected that in that June transaction. How have you seen him perform and, and others on defense? Are there any other under-the-radar stars on defense that have really contributed to this strong start? Well, Devondre Campbell has been a, a revelation for the Packers. They haven't had a playmaking middle linebacker in Green Bay for so long. It's been over a decade. And the fact that they brought him in here, not only to call the plays for the defense or where the green dot and, and relay the plays that come in from Joe Barry for the rest of the defense, but he's been, like you said, he's been solid in the run game. What's impressed me most is his tackling ability and his impact on the passing game. Like so often in years past, we'd see Packers linebackers, let the ball carrier come to them, tackle them five yards past the first down marker you know, lose tight ends in coverage, miss tackles. Devondre Campbell has been one of the best middle linebackers in football this season, which, you know, is just a crazy thing to say for a Packers middle linebacker. Really good tackler, pretty good in pass coverage, has a couple interceptions this season, really good against the run. And, and he's going to be important tonight, especially if Kyler Murray gets outside the pocket, gets on the run a little bit. Uh, Devondre Campbell is going to be that guy who can prevent Murray from getting from that second level to the third level of the defense. I would keep an eye on, uh, you know, Rashawn Gary's not really an under the radar guy, but, you know, Preston Smith and Kevin King are both questionable tonight. So I would imagine both of them play, but if one of them doesn't, a cornerback to keep an eye on would be Rasul Douglas. He's been with the team a couple weeks, uh, been around the block. He's a veteran. Um, he would play opposite Eric Stokes, and you're going to need as much as you can get from the Packers' corners tonight without Jair Alexander, obviously still on injured reserve because the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondale Moore. It's going to be a battle. So I would say, you know, if Kevin King doesn't play, Rasul Douglas is another guy to keep an eye on who has played pretty well the last couple weeks, and then obviously Campbell is, is the main guy there. 
just looking away from tonight's game, uh, Matt, I know we don't want to do that, but just generally your thoughts on the NFC North this year in general. Obviously, a lot of talk around Chicago with Nagy and, and Justin Fields and the Bears. But uh, look, obviously the Packers have started out very well, but what's been your thoughts on the NFC North so far this season? It stinks. I think the, the NFC North is really bad. The Packers can sleepwalk to this division title. Um, even if they lose tonight, they have a commanding lead on the division. The Vikings are probably the biggest competition. I think the Bears are a mess right now. The Lions obviously are, you know, 0-7, haven't won a game. That speaks for itself. The Packers have a pretty difficult schedule coming up. They have, obviously, Arizona tonight at Kansas City next week. Then they have in their next couple games, I don't know if I have the order correctly, but Minnesota, Seattle, um, Los Angeles Rams the division opponents again, Cleveland, Baltimore. So it's a pretty tough schedule. Um, I still think they can win the division. There is no reason why they should lose any division games this year. They're by far and away the best team in the division, even not at full strength. And then, you know, they should be getting David Bakhtiari back next week, who's arguably the best offensive lineman in football, you know, assuming Devontae Adams uh, is asymptomatic. They should get him back next week if he tests negative twice. Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they're getting their guys back. Even Jair Alexander might be coming back soon. So with those reinforcements, I think by far and away that they'll win this division and, you know, the rest of it isn't very good. Yeah, Matt, um, I, you mentioned uh, Bakhtiari, big fan of him on this show, both for his um, playing ability, but also his Twitter game ability. We all remember yes. the, uh, the he's he's very strong, particularly, obviously, the, the contract tweets back in March uh, when uh, Trent Williams uh, beat him out by that 10K. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, he was it the case that like they were just being careful could he have gone tonight if, if really ne- it needs be or or were they, like how careful how, how worried are they that there may, might be a reoccurrence in terms of the injury because as you said he is one of the top o-line guys in the entire league yeah you know i don't know directly but if this was the super bowl i'd imagine he'd be playing but you know we're seven games into the season tonight's the eighth and here is a guy who's way too valuable He's a 300-plus pounder coming off a major injury. Um, you don't want to rush him back any sooner than you have to. And, and Matt LaFleur talking to us on Tuesday, he didn't sound like a guy who thought Bakhtiari was going to play. He said, we're not going to rush anything. It's a major injury for a really good player. Um, so he came back the Wednesday before the Washington game, and that's when the 21-day window to activate him to the 53-man roster or end his season began. So – I don't even know what day it is today, but I, I believe then the Kansas City game would be the last game he could be active or no. Regardless, uh, I'd have to look at that. But the point is, he will be back, but I think right now they're just being safe. I understand it's a big game tonight, but there's no point to rushing back. And I don't think, well, maybe he would be the difference between a win and a loss, but what matters most is that you have him for the home stretch. You're not in danger of losing the division by not playing him tonight. Um, by no means are the Packers waving the white flag by not playing him. They're just being smart. And it's not like it's a wide receiver. Like in college, Amari Rogers came back from a torn ACL in five and a half months. This is a, a big boy, David Bakhtiari, probably a little more fragile. So you got to take your time with him. But he'll be back in the next week or two, and, and the Packers' O-line will be back to normal. 
Matt, when we did our season preview show, I think the majority within the show agreed that we felt the Cardinals would be challenging potentially for a wild card slot. We certainly didn't believe they'd be unbeaten or heading up the division ahead of the Rams. Are you presently surprised by how they've gone about their business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, what's been most surprising is obviously they have the playmakers on offense, but their defense tied for first in the league in, in points allowed per game at 16.3. Losing J.J. Watt is is huge. You know, he's had a really good season so far. Um, but Marcus Golden is, a, I think, a really underrated pass rusher. Obviously, Chandler Jones, a fellow Syracuse product like myself, um, coming back off the COVID list. Buda Baker is one of the best safeties in the league. I think they're a really good team on both sides of the ball. And, and Aaron Rodgers said it this week. They've really gotten after the quarterback in the passing game. And the Packers are going to really have to withstand that initial surge is the way Rodgers put it. Um, and, you know, if Arizona throws that first punch, Packers got to throw one right back. If the Packers get the ball first and go three and out and Rodgers is sacked twice and that crowd's going crazy on national television – it could be a long night, and, and Rodgers knows that because that's exactly what's happened to him when he's played here in this stadium before. But now it's named State Farm Stadium, and he's a State Farm spokesman, so maybe the mojo will change a little bit. The, the, the corporate branding will help him. The corporate <laughs> branding will help him. So I, lo I love the way you slot in a little bit about the orange there. Uh, yeah. Nicely, nicely done, Matt. But look, Matt, I mean, you mentioned about – we were just talking about David Bakhtiari, another player isn't there for Green Bay tonight is um, Darius Smith, obviously. That's a big impact on the pass rush. And it goes without saying about the wide receivers that aren't there. But, I mean, like, just a few random stats that I just think really are going to shut the impact tonight. Devontae Adams so far this season is 744 yards. Next on the list is Aaron Jones on 186. He's had 13 plays of more than 20-plus pass yards. The next on the list is Randall Cobb at three. Like, I mean, this is a monumental impact. So when you add that up, you add up Zadarius Smith, you add up, you know, Dave Bacciaro, you add up the fact, as you said, this is probably the best offense they're going up against. And who knows if the defense is really uh, lined up to make it. I mean, other than the fact that you still have Aaron Rodgers, who's a perennial <laughs> MVP in Dan Candy, tell us how Green Bay is going to win this game. Tell us how they're actually going to turn it around tonight. They shouldn't. You know, I think the Cardinals win 34-24 is my prediction, but the Packers have no business winning this game. Um, there's really no area besides, obviously, the quarterback position where, where you look at, or maybe not even the quarterback position, where you look at and say the Packers have a decided, clear-cut advantage here. You know, the Packers' O-line is banged up against uh, the Cardinals' menacing pass rush. The Cardinals secondary, maybe that could be a weakness, but Packers have no wide receivers. I mean, they have, you know, they're without their top three. I don't want to sell Randall Cobb and Equinemius St. Brown short, but, um, and then on the other side of the ball, the Cardinals outmatch the Packers in, in every area. Maybe uh, the Packers D line can slow down the Cardinals running game with Chase Edmonds and James Conner a little bit, but even that uh, I would say is a toss up. The Packers have no business winning this game, but I could see, and part of me, there's a little bit that I'm thinking, could this just be a game where Aaron Rodgers goes out and reminds everybody he's still Aaron freaking Rodgers and puts the team on his back and delivers one of those vintage performances? In 2015, in, in the divisional round playoff game between the Packers and Cardinals, well, it was 2016, it was the 2015 playoffs. In this same stadium, 
The Packers were without Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb because he punctured his lung early in the game, and Ty Montgomery, their top four receivers. They were down to Jared Aberderis, Jeff Janis, and James Jones. And they somehow sent the game to overtime, converted a fourth and long from their own end zone. Then Aaron Rodgers throws the Hail Mary to Jeff Janis. He knows what he's doing in this stadium. You know, the Packers are 6-0 and without Devontae Adams the last couple of years. Granted, they haven't been without all the guys there without Zedarius, Jair, David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams. That's four all-pro players. You know, they have no business winning this game, but could a Packers team with nothing to lose playing on house money make it interesting? Sure, why not? Yep, but Matt, they, they lost that playoff game, though. I know, I know, but at least may, may, yeah. that's why I said make it interesting. Doesn't mean they have to win. <laughs> Matt, um, I don't want to give away my pick, but I, you know, I, that, that's a very intriguing point you're making there, and I think it's going to be a good game. And I think these in, like this whole injury talk agreeing, but it's still a good game. You got a seven and zero football team going up against a six and one football team, a six and one football team that a lot of people, a lot of analysts in the wider media thought were finished after week one. So the Packers have came back strong. I want to thank you for coming on tonight, Matt. And obviously, anybody watching, the, you know, obviously, folks, subscribe to the Athletic. Really appreciate the support, Matt, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. Great chat. Thanks, Matt. See you guys Thanks, Matt. All the best. Thank you, Matt. Bye-bye. Matt Schneidman from the Athletic. Uh, I'm not going to lie. My wife brought up a packet of polo mints, and I'm currently. Colin, do you want to take a trip for a second? Baby bottles and polo mints. Did anyone see the tweet from Ian Rappaport earlier on, which um, listed the uh, injury to JJ Watt that he that he played with? Uh, he tore his labrum, his bicep, and his rotator cuff, alongside dislocating his shoulder, which tells you just how much animosity he felt towards the Texans, given that he went out in the second half and did a number on them. So uh, kudos to, to JJ, but uh, by the sounds of that, he'd be doing well to, to make it back for the playoffs. But hey, if he gives Ray Lewis a call, all things are possible. Yeah, I mean, you kind of wonder, did he do too much to himself for little to no gain, really, other than that animosity as you allude to, Colin? I mean, what if he'd come out at half time? And what if he'd given the chance to heal? How much damage did he do in continuing to play? I know we're never going to know, but it just feels sad that this was almost like a season where he was having a bounce back year after all the terrible injuries. And now it looks like we've lost him again for the season. Someone has done so much good in the NFL. Obviously, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, stuff he did for the local area in Houston after the hurricane. Um, you know, it's just terrible to see. Um, but, like, you know, the, this season, I, I'm annoyed, actually, on Monday. We didn't, uh, there was one other thing I meant to allude to, which obviously is a story which continues to run, which is how much your man is getting out of Brady's ball. And uh, Tom Brady breaking on ESPN on Monday night to, with the Manning brothers that, oh, I gave him a Bitcoin as well because that's cool. I'm sure the guy who, who gave away the ball is less than impressed about the taxes he's now going to have to pay now that Tom Brady's publicly announced that. But again, on the commentary, I don't know if you heard Tony Romo uh, maybe being a bit too effusive that what he should hold out for is a date with Giselle. And when Tony Romo mentioned it once, it was kind of like humorous. When he mentioned it about the seventh time, I think Tony Romo was, you know, more betraying he wants a date with Giselle uh, and, and would like that to occur. So, um, yeah, bit, bit of crack there. 
probably, probably deflecting on his poor commentary, but nothing new there. Ah, Jesus, Brian. Tony, Tony Rowe was a great commentator. Wise up here. Tom, hey, just, just to highlight, though, Tom Brady is an FTX ambassador, so may not be his Bitcoin, maybe maybe somebody else's. What else did he get, actually? I saw the breakdown of he got two season tickets for, for next season. He got Evans match balls for the other touchdowns. Um, a season ticket for the remainder of the year, and Jer- a couple, jerseys, couple of jerseys. Uh, he- a helmet. Uh, I still think it would have been had he got the round of golf that he wanted. That would have probably been much better for him, in fairness, because that that memory would have lasted longer. But um, you know, I guess as uh, you know, not to be. Well, it's it's hard enough to get Tom Brady on a Zoom call. Never mind get him on a, on a round of golf, and I think we all we all know that. Brian, before we make our picks, and let's not give anything away here, Brian. Our friends over at uh, Matchbook Betting Exchange have got a 15 pound or 15 euro welcome offer bonus code Irish NFL show. The over, Bri Bri, because you're you're the expert here after your bet last week. Don't know if, I don't even know what happened. The over is 51, and the Cardinals are minus six favorites. What's your thoughts on that without giving your pick away tonight? Without giving my pick away, I think the line started earlier in the week at two and a half, but unfortunately, because of the situation with COVID and the players have been ruled out the line has progressed as the week has gone on to hit six and a half the under for i'm i'm still i'm on the under here this evening like i think the pack are going to struggle offensively because of the players that are ruled out and they won't they won't be able to match up in, in terms of competing on the score and i don't think i don't want to give you a pick away michael but six and a half and matchbook have, have updated us this evening to say that one comes as a surprise that majority of the money is is on the cardinals to cover that six and a half point spread so far in seven games this year, the cards are six and one against the spread, but the Packers are also six and one against the spread. So that's a useless piece of information. <laughs> Something has to give. Something has to give. Information. Uh, code Irish NFL show new customers only uh, in terms of that bonus code in terms of the deposit offer or money back as cash if your first bet loses. Look, please be gamble aware. Please gamble responsibly. Don't bet what you can't afford, gentlemen and ladies. Uh, it's time, boys uh, and, and girls, if you're watching. Um, picks, who have we got? Colm. Colm, I'm still able to watch this game live tonight because it's a hell of a game. Seven and those, six and one. I am because I'm off work this week, but I am still able to watch it. Who have you got? Um, nice to nice to be on midterm. Um, it is it is a really intriguing game, um, and the first time uh, that the cards have been seven and zero since seventy four, and then they lost the eighth game that season. Um, but if you uh, go back to December twenty fifteen, uh, they put a beat down on the Packers, thirty eight eight. Aaron Rodgers played in that game, and that was a decent Packers side. They finished that season ten and six. Um, there are a lot of similarities this year in some ways between Rodgers and Murray and, and how they're playing. And uh, bo- both of them uh, on, on the move last week, throwing across their body, both three uh, three TDs on, on Sunday. Um, both get sacked uh, at, a, at a similar rate. So lots of similarities. And both teams actually get sacked at a very similar rate as well. Um, there was an injury report that we didn't touch on with, with Josh, but um, D-Hop was listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. Um, now, on a lot of teams losing one of the top receivers, um, or him, he'll play, but like, will he be limited? But AJ Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, um, they kind of have enough weapons to, to get by. 
and with Adams and, and Lazard out, the Packers aren't as deep. Um, I, I look, Aaron Rodgers will will always you imagine you know um, keep you in a game unless it's week one against the the Saints. Um, but I think that ultimately the cards are on third down and in the red zone on both sides of the ball have been really fantastic. I think that that's what will edge this game for them. Uh, I can see there being plenty of points and I, I, I'm going to go the, the cards to, to win a really interesting game um, and go to 8 no and set a new record for the franchise. Yeah, I said in that group this morning, all things equal. If both teams had all the players at their disposal, I'd probably lean towards the Packers here. But I think losing one player is, is too much. I know Marcus touched on the stats there in terms of how, how important is Adams is. But at the same time, the other two guys can hold their own in terms of who have gone out of team. So for me, it's difficult to see how the Packers can keep up with a team that is breaking all sorts of records on offense, averaging 32 points a game, the best record since 1948 for just to, just at this stage of the season, I see the cards winning, and I don't think it's going to be. I'm not going to say it's going to be a blowout because that's a bit harsh to say on a Packers team. They'll probably be proven wrong by Rogers, but I think the cards will do more than enough to win the game. So the O'Connell song, I think, it was 74, 75. Um, you know, you're bringing up 74 season there for the cards. They won actually see back to back NFC West, I think, in 74 and 75, 10 and 4, then 11 and 3. So they were on a purple patch. There is no doubt that this year's 2021 Cardinals are in a purple patch. And to me, this is a little bit like we were talking about the Bengals last week for the big game they had. You know, if you're going to do it, now's the time. They've got, a, you know, it's carpe diem, seize the day uh, and all that because you're never going to get the Packers at a better time. And the Cardinals, I mean, look, you know, Matt made his case and, you know, we welcome that. But even when he makes his case, he brings up one of the overtime losses. Of course, they also lost the 09 wildcard playoff game to the Cardinals. Um, but we're going back to Kurt Warner days and a long time in the past in that regard. Um, to me, there's just too much to overcome. I, yes, Aaron Rodgers is an amazing regular season quarterback. Postseason, yeah, not so much. But he's very good in the regular season. I just think it's going to be a bridge too far for him to overcome. And this cards are a good team. As I mentioned, they've already beaten the Titans albeit week one. They've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Browns. They have beaten some good teams already. Um, the only fear is they get caught in the bright lights and they suddenly freeze on the bigger stage. But I don't think that's going to happen. I believe in Kyler. I believe in Cliff. And I believe that Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones are just going to have too much to overcome. Uh, so I'm going cards as well. The Cardinals defense is the first in the NFL in third downs. Uh, and on fourth down, to get 12 turnover and downs. Uh, I don't believe this whole hype this week in terms of the Packers that got all these guys injured. This is the guys, the team, and the guy in Aaron Rodgers that took them, what, one quarter from a Super Bowl last year. Uh, he's done Ferris Night Football. He knows Ferris Night Football. We've seen enough Ferris Night Football games. If I keep saying Ferris Night Football, maybe it'll win. But the one that got me was our friend from Ard Maha. Dara Carragher's tweet the other day. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the last six games without Devontae Adams. 142 for 202, 1,865 yards, 17 touchdowns, one interception, 125.2 pass for rating, 6 and 0. Oh. He still has Aaron Jones. I think tonight's going to be a shootout. I'm going with the over. Uh, I'm taking the Packers, boys. For the sheer crack of it, uh, the Cardinals go 7 and 1. Taking it for the crack. Why not? Have to have to mix it up. And also, Mark, uh, going on the music, 
Um, I got a feeling for the Black Eyed Peas. And Abba, going back to Abba last weekend, I still have faith in you. I still have faith. I've got faith in Aaron Rodgers. And, um, and you should have just gone George Michael. George Michael faith would have been perfect, Michael. Freedom. Good well, Good you know. Also, freedom yeah, for Rodgers at the end of the season really if he moves on. Huh? Yeah, free, freedom. We could have a whole George Michael round devoted to uh, to Aaron Rodgers, you know. That would be great. I hope for the Packers' sake, they don't, you haven't inflicted the, uh, pick them for the crack curse that the Jets suffered at the uh, at the weekend where Mac Jones put 400 yards and uh, how many how many points, Mark? Uh, a 50, 54, I think, Colin, 54. 54, yeah, that's, that's yeah. right. Do you know who Mac Jones has uh, the same amount of yards for the season with Justin Herbert? He's shown for the exact, he's one yard ahead of Justin Herbert for the season. I, and I think it was 276 to 275 thrown shows. There you go. But he's, only a, but he's only a rookie, eh? He, 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 let, the Jets let, Mac, let Mac cook. In, fa in fairness, he got a lot. I you said it. Who you you got to play who you got to play. Well, people made out that Mac Jones was the, the fat German kid from The Simpsons. And he's proven <laughs> that that is not the case. The reason why I saw that stack, guys, was because, as we all know, Mark's Patriots are playing on Sunday against... Uh, the Chargers in LA, so it's a really interesting game in Scottish. Absolutely, thank you very much, Colin. Yes, isn't Phil Sims the guy that had the tea bag in the cup one day and he was live drinking it? I always leave my tea bag in the cup, so me and Phil are exactly the same. That's disgraceful. Oh, you leave no. tea bag in the cup. Oh, that's a disgrace. Oh my god, no, no, no. That's, that's a revelation. Next time we do a live show, I'm gonna bring my uncle along. He leaves three tea bags in the cup. Next, you'll be saying no. that you prefer <laughs> uh, next, you'll be telling me that Barry's is better than Colin's disgusted there. I, I drank some Beauty's team this week on my, on my travel. Phil Simmons sometimes what, what teams were playing for Christ's sake. Mm. Ah, Phil Simmons is great. You can't, you can't knock Phil Simmons. Come on. <sighs> uh, today actually was the anniversary of Eli Manning scoring the first touchdown in London. Those sure. are the picks for tonight. Has anybody else anything they want to say ahead of tonight or you know, just in general before we wrap up for Thursday night? Colin, would you have anything to say? Yeah, I know mean, it's fine. I, I'm probably more, I, 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 almost as disgusted at, at Brian's teabagging habits than I am at Careful now. <laughs> questions for Mike Tomlin during the week. Well, I, I, I'm going to stick back to the football because this gets, before this gets dangerously concerned. Um, a really interesting set of games this weekend, which is normally the, the halfway point of the season for most teams in terms of playing 16 games. But... Um, some very interesting games coming up this weekend, in particular the Patriots coming to charge. And I can't wait to, to hear the analysis of the Broncos and, and Washington uh, for this weekend. Yeah, it's very, and, Mark, very quick one for you, because just before you come in, man, don't know why that Patriots Chargers game is on Sky this Sunday. No idea. Just putting that out there. Two pretty big fan bases, and one of the teams is better actually, games on it. got a great man. chance of going to a Super Bowl. There's Not better games on it. For a change. So fully understand it, actually. I, I, I'll it. tell you. I, I'll probably give you. I'll give you a, a rational point as to why it's on. Because the Bucks and Saints was probably the better game at the same time, but unfortunately they picked the Bucks last weekend because they thought the Bucks and Bears would be a good game. There was a blowout, and they can't show it in two weeks in a row because if they do, people get on social and start shooting Sky Sports NFL down for showing the same team a couple of weeks in a row. So they yeah. can't have it both ways. And also bigger fan bases, like in, well, in the UK right. and Ireland, we know the bigger fan bases exist in relation to the Chargers and, of course, in relation to Patriots. But look, Michael, to last uh, tonight's game and everything, look, uh, last Christmas, Aaron Rodgers had a careless whisper 
Uh, and uh, unfortunately, <laughs> after looking up to a father figure like Brett Favre, uh, you know, he, he's potentially on his last event there. Um, but before he gets his freedom, Michael, at least you have faith that he's going to win tonight. So we'll see if him and George Michael can win. I thought you were going to uh, sing last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he last Christmas he gave, he gave something else. He gave a, a ridiculous throw on third down in the NFC Championship game. But, hey, well, you know, what are you going to do? So, uh, but look, Michael, you've gone with the Packers. We'll look forward to talking to you on Friday. I mean, not not just the show, but the abuse. You on mean on Sunday? Yeah. It'll be the same and background on Sunday morning that you have now, yeah. Exactly. In fairness, I Michael could well uh, be be right on that one. I wouldn't be at all surprised. I'm like six and one on Thursday night. Like literally, it's it's easy to call. I think the Packers are going to win. I want to give a shout out to Richard Graves who's watching. Hi, Richard. Richard's on Jeff Rainbow show tomorrow night at seven thirty. Sebastian Vollmer's also one, and he's very vocal because Sebastian's the one that's pre-recorded. Very vocal on uh, where the game's going to be in Germany. He doesn't say anything, uh, but he's very vocal on Mac Jones. So in, in a good way, if you're a Patriots fan. And boys, there may or may not be a Jeff Reinbold appearance in Dublin this side of Christmas. We're going to leave it at that. Yeah? Sign him more, Michael. If we're all good and we ask Santi nicely. Okay, well. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note <laughs> it's, uh, he's not, he's not real, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Be careful. Right, we can all right. Good luck. Thanks yeah. to Trust. Thanks to Matchbook. Uh, yeah, that's the picks ahead tonight. Thanks everyone for watching. <laughs> Nearly 2,000 people. Thanks to Million Honesty Lads and Ladies. Back Sunday morning. We are one year old this weekend. Will there be a cake? I have no idea. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. for week eight. Enjoy Thursday night football. I'll be up drinking a pint of Guinness. Feel free to tweet me at Michael NFL at Colin from Cork at Brian something B O L two six nine three and two nine oh three. I don't even know what Mark says, but look, find us on Twitter. See you later, boys. Have a good night. Good luck. Take care. Thanks to Joshua Matt as well. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Thank you, lads. Good luck. Good luck.